We've been on a series since September, as I said at the outset, that's uh, fired up by a tier fund course called Discovery. And in that uh, course, they say before you want to reach out to your neighborhood, you should celebrate or think about who you are before you uh, reach beyond the, <clears throat> the walls. So we've been looking at that. And I think it's interesting that two weeks ago we were looking at we are an artistic, creative, imaginative fellowship and that Ron spoke so much there about imagination and how we need to imagine and how sometimes we could never imagine some of the things that can happen with us and through us. Today we've come, and as I say it wasn't pre-planned for Ron's visit, but we've come to look at we are, as Fitzroy, a body of peacemakers, reconcilers. Let me read to you something I picked up on the net. You, you wonder sometimes when you come to a church, you should Google this wherever you belong. Google your church and find out what the world thinks of you. You can do that now. So I was Googling us. This is what I found. My story begins but does not end on University Street in South Belfast, Northern Ireland, at the Fitzroy Presbyterian Church. Here we are. In the late 60s, when the troubles began, it would have been a fairly typical example of a congregation in the evangelical wing of the Presbyterian Church of Ireland. 30 years later, its transformation was such that it was awarded the prestigious Peace Prize from Pax Christi, the international peace movement in the Catholic Church, for its grassroots work for peace and reconciliation in collaboration with Clonard Monastery, a Roman Catholic community in West Belfast. This was the first time the award was given at all in Ireland and the first time to a Catholic Protestant group, the Clonard Fitzroy Fellowship. The sustaining question in my work was this. How did a congregation orientated towards the socially conservative and even exclusivist tenets of evangelical Protestantism move to being a heralded example of peaceful, ecumenical intentions towards the Roman Catholic community in Ireland. This question is as important for political as for religious concerns. The churches have long been societally dominant in Ireland and they were tragically influential in sowing the seeds of enmity and exclusion that grew into the troubles. Precisely because the churches were a large part of the cause for conflict, they can also be a major part of the cure, but only if they reconfigure the meaning of the gospel. Exclusion must give way to inclusion, and the zeal to confront and convert with the vision of tolerance in each other's traditions, virtues, are celebrated as a contribution to all. Vital in the process will be the ability to tell each other the stories of each community, and the pain and the suffering, as well as those who have overcome and moved on. Such will be the icons of grace. Under the leadership of Fitzroy's pastor, Reverend Ken Newell, the congregation reached out to the Church of Most Holy Redeemer attached to Clonard Monastery. Through the close friendship between Newell and Father Jerry Reynolds of Clonard, the twin churches and their communities were able to speak with a prophetic voice to the troubles, first mainly in religious terms, but then also have an important impact on political reconciliation. From the early 1980s onwards, the friendship of the two men would deepen and its impact broaden. 
They brought along with them most of the people in the worshipping congregations of their churches. 20 years ago, no one could have imagined, for example, a group of Presbyterian evangelicals sharing a retreat with Catholic laity and clergy. Nor could one have imagined an impromptu meeting at a Presbyterian elder's home to, cause, uh, to discuss the pain caused to Catholics by the annual marches of the Orange Order. The Clonard Fitzroy Fellowship began with Bible studies, and this made everyone feel comfortable with each other. Then as time went along, normal life occurrences gathered people together. An illness brought visitors from the members of the other community to the hospital. A death broke the sectarian divide as a family attended the funeral. Then the fellowship responded to the larger political scene together. And following the lead of Jerry Reynolds and Ken Yule, they were unafraid to discuss and pursue any political concerns. Their leaders, Newell and Reynolds, encouraged the people of the two churches to think outside conventional categories in order to bring the witness of the gospel to a bitterly divided society. Ron Wells, from uh, an article in the Journal of Reformed um, Thought Perspectives. I think a lecture, Ron, that you may have given at Baylor University that you put into that essay. This is who we are. If you go outside the door to my right and to your left and you turn quickly left, you will see the Pax Christie Award given to this fellowship. And we're all together this morning because Clonard are scattered amongst us. The Clonard Fitzroy Fellowship. The Pax Christi Award for Peacemaking, it is part of our DNA. In the months of limbo, there's an interesting theology to bring out when we have our clonard uh, brothers and sisters with us. But in my place of limbo between being your sole nominee and then you deciding eventually that you would have me as your minister, I thought I would get up to speed. So it isn't really Worship Ron Wells Day. I have to say, Ron, it is just by chance. Um, I read Ron's book, Friendship Towards Peace. And of course, in the middle of the summer where you're thinking, I might be the minister of Fitzroy, you come to that part where Ron says, whoever the successor would be to Ken Newell, he would have to have a heart for a similar ministry. Now, I have no idea whether you're hearing committee. Dodgy bunch they were. I saw them one morning on Fisherwick. I have no idea whether your hearing committee ever took on board that Steve Stockman that they were listening to had a heart for that ministry or not. I have no idea that when you sat here for seemingly eternity while I played uh, some form of extreme uno to try and get myself chilled, if you're waiting for a call from a congregation, don't play extreme uno at home because it gets even more tense when you press that button and all these cards fly out. I have no idea that night when you voted to have me as your minister whether you were thinking about this, but I did know, I did know that I was coming into a community that was involved in this Clonard Fitzroy Fellowship and that somehow I was going to be a part of that group's future because we are peacemakers. It's our legacy. And it's not only our legacy, it's got a biblical mandate. Ron has spoken about it already. God is about reconciliation. The whole essence of the gospel is reconciliation. Since 
if we want to look at the Old Testament, that idea that Ron talked about, about that shalom, where everything would find its place again, we can be sure that in heaven there will not be different denominations or there will be no strife in communities where the believers will not be involved in bringing some kind of sense of peace. Of course, we won't need to be doing that. But there that we read at the start, our vision of this shalom, our vision of what's going to happen when this time turns into eternity, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will take up will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. And somehow Caroline Orr should be up singing the song from her album that expresses that really well, but we didn't think about it in time. This is the time we look to. This is the time we long for. And this is the time that we've got to be getting ready for right in our midst. Jesus said that the peacemakers were blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers. But he also followed it up by talking about how we would be persecuted. And it seems to me that the peacemaking and the persecution were somehow going to come together. I joke with one of you now and again who says that when you say you're meeting somebody, you know, maybe at a church event, or maybe not even at a church event, but you find out that they're churchgoers. And you say, where do you go? And they say, third Bali Shachnagatra. And you think, oh, that's very nice. And then they say, and what about yourself? And you say, oh, I'm from Fitzroy. Oh. <laughs> and either it's, oh. Or it's really, that's a fascinating place. But there's never a kind of a, oh, that's nice. There's a response that comes because Ken and Dennis and Sandra, Dr. Rutherford, Philip Mateer, various others, all of us as a community before I came, took this courageous movement of saying we will not live in our apartheid we will break down our apartheid and we will make friends this is who we are that moment when Jesus talked about who's your neighbor somebody asked him and he gave the neighbor as that enemy across the road or across the border the one who had almost the same religion, but certainly not the same religion, the one who was politically different and aligned, the Samaritan. So many images of how Jesus goes about things where you kind of see that he lived in a part of the world at a specific time that has so many lessons for those of us who live at this part of the world at a specific time. Or look chapter 6 what we read, Patricia read for us. I love the bit in Luke chapter 6 where Jesus says to them, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Now, coming from a Presbyterian, biblical, we were finding it quite, I think, we found it quite humorous, uh, the session meeting that the General Assembly have suggested we should have one day specifically to, you know, make the Bible important within our, uh, our congregation during the year. And, and I hope we do that, and I think we will do that. But the Bible is central in Fitzroy every week of the year. And this is where we turn to. And as a denomination, we're a church that really proudly sees the Bible as the center of all that we would think and do and be. And we come to this particular passage in the light of growing up in Northern Ireland, and my thinking is that Jesus nails it here. 
He says, listen guys, if you only talk to the evangelical Christians who are committed to the Westminster Confession of Faith like you have, and who have the worship the way that Presbyterians should have it, and you do all those, then you can talk to these people. Then make friends with them. What good is it if in a divided community we stick within ourselves? Even the sinners do that. Where the challenge to those who follow Jesus would be, it seems, in this passage, and in his life, would be that we would reach to those who are not like us. That we would reach across the boundaries that society put in our way. And that we would be peacemakers. That we would love the enemy. And can I say, as I prepared that this week, I'm not even talking about the enemy. Because the people beside us today, sitting in the pews with us from Clonard, are not enemies. They have never done anything to us. Not in the way that Luke talks about it here. Love your enemies. Why are they enemies? Because they go to a different building than we go to and believe different things than we believe. Now, let me say it. I hung out with Father Gary for five years. And Father Gary and I got to conclude that there was no way he was making me a Catholic and there was no way I was making him a Presbyterian. He can't understand this idea that, oh, well, if you want to do infant baptism, you come here. And if, oh, if you want to do adult baptism, you go there. And sure, if you want to believe in those bits of gifts, you can go to that church. And if you don't believe in those, you can come here. And if you don't want a session to run you, but you want to be a wee bit congregated, he says, Steve, it's anarchy. Protestantism's anarchy. And I'm going, and you're telling me that a few boys in Rome are going to tell you how you live. I, I'm a contrary wee problem from Balamina, and I really could never get to that, Gary. And we spent our time sharing much of what we had in common. Janice calls him her prayer buddy. But we knew where we weren't going to find it easy to come to some agreement. We're not talking here about us giving up what we hold dear to somehow compromise where we stand in our beliefs. But we want to talk about those things. We want to understand them better because I tell you something, Protestants explained a lot about Catholicism to me and the more Catholics I meet, the more I realize how the Protestants got it absolutely wrong on many counts. If you want to know what a Catholic believes, will you talk to a Catholic? Will you get involved in a fellowship? Might give you a good idea for one if you're interested. And start to listen. And start to find a way to cross these divisions. Because I'll tell you something. This is as urgent on the 31st of October 2010 as it was when Ken first decided he was going to go and meet Jerry and Alec Reid and all the other guys. Rath Cool last week. The dissidents and all these Bombs that we're finding just in time. We are not in an incredibly safe and secure situation here. And what we need to do is we need to make sure that in this space of grace, this time, this moment, that we will seize it. That we will rid ourselves of this apartheid that still exists. I have a house in Bally Castle. And I love it. 
And I've always said, you see what the apartheid does? Don't let the prods move into Ballycastle because I love going up there and not bumping into any Presbyterian ministers. I really don't want to see them in my holidays. But, but you're aware of it. If I see a ranger shirt on Ballycastle Main Street, I kind of look the way I used to look when I saw a Celtic shirt on a Ballymena Main Street. You drive through the curbstones that are a different color. We live in apartheid. I remember when we met with F.W. de Klerk, some of our students met with him in 2002, and he said the mistake that South Africa did was that they institutionalized and legalized apartheid because it was happening in America. It's happening in Northern Ireland. We just haven't really made it law. But if they get a sports center, we need to get a sports center because we still haven't got to the point where we might go to the same sports center and keep people in jobs. We need to make sure that we're continuing to break down the walls of apartheid. We need to not allow the fields around us to be fertile for young radicals to grow up and start bombing and killing campaigns again. And we do that in very simple ways. We do that by modeling different ways to how it is. And Clonard Fitzroy Fellowship models something very simply. I think it's fair, and Sandra would agree, and the others from the fellowship would agree, that there's some nights over this last year where we've sat there and we've wondered, well, what are we doing to stop the dissidents? Well, actually, we're prophetic in our very existence. Never mind what we discuss or never mind what we plan or imagine we might do in the future. The fact that there's a group from the Falls Road meeting with a group from South Belfast's evangelical middle-class Fitzroy community is a prophetic statement across our world. And we need to be a part of it. Let me read as we uh, near our end. Um, just something from that night that uh, this fellowship and Clonard Fitzroy received that Pax Christie award. Um, at that evening uh, in, in Dublin, uh, Maria Corrigan Maguire gave a, a speech and she said this at the end. She said, I would like to thank the members of the fellowship for their faithfulness for so many years. Sometimes what we do seems small and unimportant. Your work as a group of friends is important for peace in Northern Ireland. We know that when the Good Friday Agreement is fully implemented, the people on the ground have to take ownership of it and build peace together. Have we, I ask? How can we more, I ask? We must make Northern Ireland work and become best friends. This can only be done in exactly the way that you are doing it. To build a culture of peace and nonviolence is the work of the people and the churches. It is a challenge, a joy, but also a lot of hard work. Thank you for your example. You give us all hope. Blessed are the peacemakers of the Fitzroy Clonard Fellowship. I am proud to be the minister of a community where that's spoken of. So, if you're new to us and you have a apartheid fear or emotional reticence 
about meeting with Catholics, we're not going to hide from the fact that we are peacemakers. That Clonard Fitzroy is a prophetic little group that meets and is looking for a way forward. That Father Jerry or even Father Gary, who I know very well from the last five years, will be coming here as Father Gary did during our week of prayer to pray with our congregation or to speak with the four chaplains as he did in one of the evening events. We will continue our links with Clonard and we will build our links with St. Malachy's. We will be those who you will find your minister speaking at a novena in Clonard or where you might find someone from Clonard at the front of this particular church. It's who we are. But we don't do it because it's who we are. We do it because we believe that it's a biblical mandate to do it and we want to be a prophetic voice into the division in our community. Are we up for it? Are we willing to take it forward? Or do we foolishly think, ah, Ken and Jerry and Dennis and all those others who met with Sinn Féin at the time, they did a great job for us and here we are in peace. Let us not be complacent. Let us move forward to bring a little bit of God's kingdom and his will on earth as it is in heaven. It seems only right after that that I should uh, ask Father Jerry to come forward. I, want him, I was going to read a prayer from that night also when we got the, uh, you see the way I'm saying we, I'm so proud of it, and begin to say, oh, I get that prize. Sadly, I didn't. But one of the great things about being the minister in Fitzroy, and it was a ridiculous privilege. I got the privilege to speak at Jerry's 75th birthday and 50th year as uh, uh, a, a, a priest and that was a ridiculous thing for a Balamina man to get the privilege of doing but it was a privilege and so I'm going to ask at the end of this sermon for uh, Father Jerry to read this prayer for all of us that was prayed that night when the Clonard Fitzroy got that award All nourishing God your children cry for help against the violence of our world, where children starve for bread and feed on weapons, starve for vision and feed on drugs, starve for love and feed on videos, starve for peace and die murdered in our streets. Liberating God, release us from the demons of violence. Free us today from the disguised demon of deterrence that puts guns by our pillows and missiles in our skies. Abiding God, stretch our sense of family to include our neighbors Stretch our sense of neighbour to include our enemies until our response to you finally respects and embraces all creation as precious sacraments of your presence. Amen.